listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, I'm Ricardo Gonsalves and welcome to SBS On The Money from the SBS newsroom for this Thursday, the 19th of November 2020. It is your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap. Later, Australia's unemployment rate rose to 7%, but have we already seen the peak in the jobless rate? We'll have more on that in a few moments. But first, let's take a closer look at the entertainment and media industries. Have you noticed that over the past, say, 6 to 12 months, you may be listening to podcasts a lot more or watching more online videos? Well, the media landscape is dramatically changing, but can you make money from it? I spoke earlier with Justin Paps. He is from PwC Australia. He's a partner there and the editor of its entertainment and media outlook. Justin, we often talk about how COVID has accelerated how consumers access digital technologies. How has this been reflected in the media and entertainment industries? So obviously people have been stuck in their homes. So they've started to consume things differently. So with no cinemas, no outdoor, those sorts of things, really big increase in things like streaming services. And particularly in Australia, we've got a huge range to choose from, not just the paid ones, but also the broadcast ones like SBS On Demand. And we've seen that really have a big uptake during COVID. So those things we access at home, like streaming video, podcasts, e-gaming, that sort of thing, how have they grown? So the interesting thing with streaming, it's one of the fastest growing segments. So streaming video in the next five years will grow about 16%. So it'll be worth over $2 billion in 2024, just in Australia. And that's a big chunk of money coming out of people's pockets. Whereas we see things like broadcast video on demand, where there's ads, etc., that'll grow to about a half a billion in the same time, but at a rate of about 25%. So we're seeing really big uptake in those things where people are choosing the content they want, irrespective of the platform. What about those more traditional industries, free-to-air TV, news, and especially given the increase in demand for information during the pandemic, for example, have they benefited? Yeah, so it's really interesting time because during the bushfires and then COVID, we had a huge uptake in free-to-air viewership because people were looking for that information. The thing was the ad dollars didn't follow, not because there was a problem, but they just weren't the ad dollars to have because people pulled back. I think what's interesting is the free-to-air networks have used that time to introduce people to their broadcast video on demand products. Used to be catch-up, but now are much more than that. So if the free-to-air networks can hold people in that environment, that's where the real value is going to come. So what does that all mean for ad revenue? So where where the money's really going to go is into digital. And that's where we're seeing a lot of growth at the moment. But really ad revenue, next five years, we're looking at only about 1.3% growth. So not a lot of growth in ad revenue. Within the next period, so after our next five years, in the next sort of seven years, we'll see ad revenue and subscription revenue cross over. So there'll be more money in subscription than there will in ad revenue. Now that's happening globally within the next five years, Australia in about the next seven. So what does that mean? So they've got media organisations are going to have to have some sort of premium service where they actually deliver real value to customers or or consumers, whether that's in an ad-free environment or a freemium environment where there's some ads and some you can pay more for less ads, etc. So you've got to have a few more things in your kitty. A good example is radio. So radio used to be just in your car or at home, but now you've got streaming, you've got podcasts. So they've got different revenue streams to actually capture people and bring them in. And that's where the value is for advertisers. That's Justin Papp there from PwC Australia. Well, for the fourth month since May,
today, more than 100,000 jobs have been created in Australia. So the Australian Bureau of Statistics says 178,800 jobs were created in October, but the unemployment rate rose from 6.9% to 7%. And that's because the participation rate also rose, and quite dramatically, from 64.9% to 65.8%. Remember, that's the ratio, the number of people that are in the workforce or actively looking for work, and it's risen back to close to pre-pandemic levels. Earlier, Sarah Dowling spoke with BIS Economics Chief Economist, Sarah Hunter, and first asked what she made of the report. Certainly from an employment perspective, it, it was very positive. So we got almost 180,000 jobs added in October, and that's obviously a, a great result and goes a long way to easing into the jobs that have been, that were still lost from, uh, from March. In terms of the unemployment rate, it's actually not surprising that it I mean, ticked up a little bit, but was sort of broadly flat. Uh, what that is, is that um, now if you're a receiving job seeker to keep receiving it, uh, you have to be actively looking for work. They've reintroduced that requirement. Uh, and once someone is actively looking for work, we count them as unemployed rather than counting them as being out of the labour force. So what we saw was a lot of people moving from being out of the labour force to being in the labour force but unemployed. So um, it, that wasn't surprising, even though it, it doesn't seem like a great thing for the unemployment rate to tick up. So overall, definitely um, a, a positive uh, print for today. Yeah, as you mentioned, we had some positive numbers around hours works, underemployment. Um, but is the stimulus, the government stimulus, do you think that that's masking the real picture? Um, yeah, it's a good question. There's, I think that um, the headline looks really positive. There are some things underneath that um, still a little bit of a, a take pause. On, on hours worked, if we look at that, did rebound as well, which is really great. But it's still... Uh, quite a lot further away from pre-COVID peaks compared to employment. So ours worked to almost 4% lower, whereas um, employment is now only 1.7% lower. So that suggests that um, people might be working again, which is obviously great, but perhaps not doing as many hours as they'd like. And that also shows up in the underemployment rate too. Um, there are, I guess, still some questions around JobKeeper. And so JobKeeper payments are still flowing and uh, you know how many jobs are still being supported by that or to turn it around if, if JobKeeper was taken away uh, would we still have this many jobs we it's very hard to know that we, we don't know but it is likely that you know that some bits of employment are um, are there and, and people have a job because of those JobKeeper payments. So what do you expect to see moving forward this data really predates most of the rollback in restrictions in Victoria. So what do you expect to see? It's a really interesting question because uh, the state that led the rebound uh, in the October data was Victoria. So of those just about 180,000 jobs, over, just over 80,000 of them were in Victoria that were added. So that was, um, you know, obviously punching well above the, the state share of, um, of the total labour market. Uh, so there is a question as to do we get another further kick in the November data, which obviously will be absolutely definitely after the end of lockdown. Um, I think it's it's likely, although it does seem as though uh, perhaps some employers were preparing for the end of lockdown. They were looking at the case numbers, thinking that you know, things were getting getting better and that they were going to be going back to work soon. And so they were bringing people back onto the books. Um, and so perhaps the lift we get in November is going to be a little bit smaller than uh, we might expect just based on the timing of the lockdown.
restrictions being eased. But uh, I think it is uh, on balance likely that we'll see a bit of a lift in the November data just based on that and the, the reopening of, of Victoria. And the, generally the, the spending data across the rest of the country, the, the other high frequency data has, has generally been pretty positive over the last few weeks. And all other things equal, you'd think that that would also feed through and, and give a, a little bit of a lift. Sarah Hunter there from BIS Oxford Economics. I should also mention that the unemployment rate rose from 14.6 to 15.6%, so a big change there. Quick check-in on the Australian share market. The S&P ASX 200 up half a percent today uh, to uh, 6,547. That's despite being in most of the red. The 200 actually were up by 0.3%. The banks that the gains are Westpac up by 2.3%, BHP off by 0.9% and West Farmers increasing 1.6%. And with a, a wrap of the day's action, I spoke earlier with Omkar Joshi from Opal Capital Management. Omka, the market's been negative for most of the day and been treading water late in the session. Why? I think a large part of that is that we've had a very solid run this month and we do need to consolidate the gains and we're seeing a bit of that today and that's all there really is to it. To what extent are we seeing this, this rotation out of growth to value stocks and why? Well, we saw quite a dramatic rotation out of growth into value last week, uh, last Tuesday specifically. We saw a bit more of that on the back of the Moderna vaccine as well. So it's really been driven by vaccine announcements. And the reality is as we get more of this positive vaccine news and more of that cyclical recovery, we are going to see more of a rotation out of some of the winners, which have been growth names during the COVID phase and into some of these more value and cyclical names as things recover and the economy gets back on track. Can we talk about some of the company-related news today? Uh, IAG, Insurance Australia Group, in a trading halt. Any idea why? Well, at the speculation they might have to raise equity. I mean, they did lose a case yesterday around business interruption, and that wasn't IAG specific. It was for the whole industry. But they did lose a test case there. The reality is they do have a lot of exposure to that SME um, segment there in terms of uh, business interruption insurance around what's happened with COVID. Now, the reality is if there is, a, I mean, there is going to be some sort of liability there. They may have to raise equity, um, considering they don't have a lot of surplus equity at this stage, but there is some negative news um, to come from there. On the flip side, though, an upgrade from Blue Scope Steel. Yeah, that's right. I mean, steel spreads in the US and in Asia have been improving quite remarkably in that they are the best they've been all year, and that's continued to improve. That's very important for Blue Scope, and, you know, frankly, they're a good space at a good time, and that stock continues to do well. And how have investors reacted to Crown's delay in opening its Barangaroo Casino? Yeah, look, the stock's off a little bit today, but the reality is, look, it, it is a you know, unfortunate outcome for them. But the reality is, it pushes things back by a few months potentially. You know, there are things that they can do around maybe still opening in February next year once we do see the findings from the inquiry. Maybe this is just a change in the shareholder. So, look, it, it is a one off impact. I, I don't think it's a massive negative impact for the stock as such. And so, it's something that I think most investors will look through uh, when, when they think about the more medium term outcomes. Omka Joshi there from Opal Capital Management. That is SBS on the Money for this Thursday, the 19th of November 2020. I'm Ricardo Gonsalves. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BusinessRicardo. This SBS on the Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. 
you should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.